Welcome okay. to the Accidental Muralist Podcast. I'm Pam Concier, founder of All Hands Art, and the topic today is trust and transitions, because our, our letter this month is T. I might talk about that later or in the notes, why that's important. And so today, that's not why I chose Teresa, whose name begins with T, but it's a nice tie-in. And Elena. So Elena is my daughter. Teresa is her good friend, my, my extended family daughter. And maybe, Elena, why don't you give a little background on how you and Teresa know each other, or a little intro, and then Teresa can chime in too. Sure. Um, we met at UBC. Um, we were both elected as house council people. UBC um, is University of British Columbia, for those who don't in know. In Vancouver. Vancouver, Canada. Um, so we worked together, essentially, in our second year at school. And um, just happened to both have, well, Teresa's Canadian, but she went through high school in the Bay Area. Um, so that was a fun coincidence. And it was fate from the beginning, and now we're best friends. <laughs> <laughs> and then Teresa, yeah, do you want to add anything to that? Um, I'm glad that the title of best friend came up. I didn't want to be too attached to that, but I think, yeah, it's been a good long friendship. And I think Elena and I have become our num each other's number ones in a lot of different ways. And um, the friendship started from, yeah, working together, but it's become so supportive and excellent. And these two love each other so much that while Elena lives in Vancouver, BC in Canada, and Teresa lives in San Francisco, a few weeks ago they met, they drove to Oregon to go camping together for the weekend. That was impressive. And that's how this whole podcast episode idea came about because I had breakfast with the two of them one morning and when they were in Portland meeting up and uh, we had a conversation that ended up being a lot about transitions. And so I invited them to be on this episode. So transitions, but then another word that kept coming up is trust. And you guys are both 28 and kind of at a phase in life where you're still, you're, neither one of you is, has blazed a, a determined set career path, like some of your friends have who've gone to medical school or whatever and they're like doing this career thing and both of you have had really interesting jobs but um you know are are figuring things out and so i said something at that breakfast like plans and goal setting is way overrated and that seemed to resonate with and that was kind of what started this conversation so do either of you want to speak to your relationship with goal setting or planning and either the pressure you you know that you get from society about that and it kind of as it relates to careers or life landmarks or does that give you anything to to chew on or is it too general i feel like that's a good one for you t sure i think in a lot of our 
circles or societies, um, there is a lot of pressure to know what's next is a general question that I get a lot, or what's your plan, or what are you doing? Um, <laughs> and I think that going through university or even applying to university um, felt like a goal that was put on to me and not necessarily something that I chose. And I think um, goal setting puts you into kind of a black and white success or failure sort of perspective. Um, and it took me a little bit of time to, and a lot of conscious effort to dig through, um, okay, where is this motivation coming from? What part of me is setting this goal? Because I think some goals are really important to like keep you engaged in your life. Um, but I think sifting through which goals are coming from me and like a genuine intuitive place and which goals are coming from the people around me or the community that I'm part of. And it was really hard in university, but I think at one point I decided like, I just want to chill. I want to make some people coffee. I want to meet the people in my city. And that kind of put me down a different path that I didn't expect to go down. Um, and so I think that working in coffee or deciding to take, you know, an entry level barista job really opened up my whole life to like taking some pressures off and being a little bit more intuitive when I'm making like quote unquote life decisions. Yeah. I don't know if that directly followed the different pieces of your question, but uh, no, I, no, I love it. And this is, yeah, that's this, where I'm at. this can meander wherever it goes. So that's perfect. And I think, yeah, one thing that I learned about UBC when Elena was like, it's, it's a international world-class university where as are many universities in the States too, but yeah, I'm sure that there's this pressure, like everybody who goes there is probably going to quote unquote, do something with their life. And there's you know this expectation of sort of going big. And I love that you chose to take that pressure off yourself. And there's so much to be learned in the service industry. We could talk about that later. Yeah. Elena, Elena, what about you? Just your relationship um, to goal setting and life planning or wherever Teresa's comments want to lead you. I, I said that that was a good one for her answer because for some reason when you were asking the question, I had a picture in my head of her, just the word goals written in her handwriting <laughs> because we used to do our like, we used to just like sit together and study or like journal and uh, I feel like at some point in the first couple years of knowing each other, she, I don't want to put anything on you, Teresa, but I feel like for a certain amount of time, there was a lot of maybe pressure for you and both of us to like set specific goals. And we got that from our jobs too. Like our, our jobs that we did together were very goal oriented. Yeah, I never, I never really attached to the idea of goals for myself, like personal goals. It was kind of, it was one of those things where I always felt like I should 
have specific goals, but I didn't feel like I actually had anything. So that's been a weird kind of struggle for me, I guess, is like similar to what you said, just, I guess, picking apart the should from the like want to. And I guess one of my goals for a while after I graduated was to be a child counselor, which before that I would have to get a master's degree. So that seemed like a very clear path to get to a goal and it had a lot of steps that made sense. So yeah, I guess that was a goal that I kind of set for myself. Probably a bit, definitely a bit because I wanted to because I like working with kids and I think I would be good at that kind of job, but it was definitely also, I was feeling pressure to like choose something that I wanted to do with my life. And that seemed like the thing that was most attainable from the background that I had up to that point. So that is maybe still a goal, but I've put it farther in the future, mainly because I realized that I was kind of talking about it and telling people about it, but only when they asked, I wasn't really ever thinking about it on my own as something that I wanted to do and I wasn't. I did apply for school once and I didn't get in and that ended up feeling like the right thing anyway. And then since then, that was three, three and a half years ago already. And since then I have not been tempted to apply to school again. Maybe it's become less of a goal and more of an idea that's just, it can stay around as an idea. Yeah, that's probably a better description at this point. And yeah, it just didn't feel like something that I needed to pursue right now. Um, So I felt like I was attempting to plan it very obscurely, but not for me. And I remember you applying, or, you know, I would check in and ask, are you looking into grad schools? Have you found a program? And you, you had, you did apply to that one, but it, it didn't seem like you were finding something that was like really grabbing your heartstrings to which I remember saying, don't apply. If you (laughs) like, don't, don't go in debt. Don't commit yourself to these years of study. If it's not something that really is resonating with you and it's feeling more like a should, it didn't seem like it was time or the right path, but you recently, did a little job search that you I don't really like the word hacking like life hacking or something but I think this would be an appropriate use for it like you did kind of do an interesting twist I would say on a job search do you want to describe what you were telling Teresa and me about how you found this recent job yeah so I recently about a month ago started working at a zero package grocery store in Vancouver, which is a super cool idea, and it's just a small storefront right now. But the way I kind of got into that was I hadn't really been working during COVID, which was really nice to have my own space and time to do whatever I wanted with. So I kind of thought about applying for jobs throughout that year, but again, it would pop into my head and then I didn't have the motivation and so then I wouldn't look and then I was still without a job. 
So then, yeah, towards the end of the summer, I was feeling more of a pull to actually, I like wanted to start doing something again. And I realized that part of the reason that I wasn't applying or even really looking prior to that was because it felt like I was waiting for the perfect job, um, even though I didn't even really know what that looked like. I didn't have a perfect job in mind that I was waiting to come across. I was just waiting for something to find me and and for me to realize, oh yeah, that's what I want to do. <laughs> and then also talking to friends about their jobs, I would hear either, yeah, people who don't like their jobs and don't feel like they can leave or find a new one for whatever reason. Or I know a couple people who have what they, I think, have called their dream job by title, but when they're actually doing it, they realize that either they don't like the company that they're working for, or they just can't seem to get the things done that they want to do and the things that make were supposed to make the job their dream job. So then they're actually not in the dream job or they're working for a company that they feel is doing harm in some way. So the life hack, as he called it, was I, uh, I decided to stop looking for a specific job title and start looking for companies or organizations that I felt aligned with and that I would feel good about working for because I didn't really mind at that point what job I was doing, but I knew that I didn't want to feel like I was contributing to harm being caused by whoever I was working for. And I knew that would make me feel better overall, even if I didn't love the tasks that I was doing or they weren't super fulfilling, I would feel better about that than doing cool things, but working for a shitty company. So what were some of your criteria? Um, I thought a good place to start was looking for B corporations. It's a, a B Corp is a certification that I think it's decently hard to get and you have to tick certain boxes relating to sustainability. I think it's like a triple bottom line, right? People. Yeah, I think it's sustainability, people, so like how you treat your employees, compensation, that kind of thing. And then I don't know specifically what the third one is. I think it might be how the profits are generated. That was a good indicator for me. That's kind of covers a lot of bases in terms of, I said a lot about the company. And then this particular one, this grocery store, I was drawn to because, partially because I did have the experience because the job I had for the most long term before was um, also not planned. Uh, Teresa helped me find that one actually. And not something I ever thought I would do. It was working in the food industry, but it gave me a lot of good experience. So that just lined up well. And then um, their values in terms of, yeah, sustainability and giving back. Trying to save the planet has become a big, <laughs> a big important factor for me. So Teresa, you're working a couple jobs, but also feeling very open to transitioning location and right. 
do you have criteria that you're using or where are you in your transition? Because it might have changed from a few weeks ago when we talked. Yeah. I mean, a couple of the things that Elena said about goals and just like this expectation to set up a plan, even just to answer people's questions, kind of reminded me of just that idea that Americans have about like bootstrapping and like you can do anything you put your mind to. And I've been trying to like decouple my life from that and more so aligned with Elena. I need to believe that I don't know what's the right thing for me or the job I might have might not exist yet or I might have never heard of it. So um, yeah, the way that I'm navigating my two part-time jobs now, which is one, um, I'm a barista and two, uh, I call myself a gardener, but I think technically my job title is a landscaper. Um, just trying to learn as much as I can and get more contacts, meet more people, kind of also learn more about myself and what my job criteria are. Most of the time in my friendship with Elena, she is able to put words to things that like set off little bells in my head. And I'm like, oh yeah, I feel the same way, but I haven't quite solidified that sentence or that thought so in terms of where I'm at right now transitioning gosh I don't even know well you brought up something I don't remember if you used the word trust a minute ago but it you alluded to kind of trusting that there will be a next thing that makes sense and learning from what you're doing right now and I think I think it's kind of a fallacy probably for most people in this country that there even is such a thing as a dream job because that sort of to me indicates like there is a destination and then once you arrive there you will settle and it will all be great. And I used to kind of think that way. I used I have always been very purpose driven, but it would it was kind of anxiety producing because it was like, wait, what is my purpose? And I needed I saw it as sort of a linear progression toward the job the thing that I was here on earth to do and it's taken a long time but I think I've finally detached from that model to more of a model of like right now in my life it seems like writing is important kind of building a little community around my blog feels important or this podcast however small that community might be I really don't know um, teaching locally feels important and that's really all I can do and that feels like enough like it feels like it gives me enough to think about I saw is this related yeah this is related on the drive so I was driving up Park Boulevard at that Zion Lutheran Church that you pass along the way there was a sign that said do fewer things do them better know why you're doing them and I held it in my head till I could get to a place and write it down. And I thought, yeah, like that's, that feels like, so, I wouldn't have put words around it like that. But when I saw it, I thought, yeah, that feels like what I'm kind of trying to do. As opposed to other times in my life where I was trying to do as many things as I could, because that seemed like the right thing to do. Does that, how does that land on you? Do fewer things, do them better, know why you're doing them. Does that feel relevant to, to you? 
Yeah, it seemed like the pandemic was a trigger for people to kind of pivot towards that. Mm -hmm. But it also feels like now that people are pretending the pandemic is over, (laughs) that that's not the way people are going to continue to go, which is stressful for me. There is kind of a sense of now people are trying to make up for lost lost time, quote unquote, what was lost during the pandemic. Is that what you're kind of thinking? Yeah, like did fewer things during the pandemic, but now they're trying to do triple the things because they did so many less things. Yeah. And I think that's ultra unhealthy. Yeah, that makes me a little sad too. Since we're doing quotes, I wrote down something this morning. Because I was reading about, I was reading about Mercury retrograde, which also came up in our conversation a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. Uh, it just popped up, and um, something from it said, "The purpose of Mercury retrograde is to alter any assumptions that life will always proceed logically," which and I thought was a super cool way of framing it, and just a, yeah, just like a. a gentle disruption to plans or any routines even that's what it tends to mess with i think in our conversation a couple weeks ago we were talking about the masculine energy of planning and having this life plan and career goals and taking steps in the linear nature of how we think about that and I've not not that that's what all men do just at the masculine side of all of us which is so 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 privileged in our society so valued worshipped you know the the masculine side the the go-getter the have steps and map it all out and I have brought up this quote I don't know who to attribute it to that says if you can see your path laid out in front of you it's not your path it's someone else's path obviously like somebody else made it because your path is made with every step you take. And I think it takes a lot of courage and kind of tuning into your own intuition to have trust, trust being one of our topics here today, to sort of jump off the hamster wheel of needing to have that plan and just focus on like what What's the next thing that feels right in this moment? So how, how do either of you, um, do you have practices or ways that you sort of hone your intuition? You might not think about it that way, but, or how do you talk, for me it's more like, I do have some practices, but I also have to just keep telling myself, I have to keep reminding myself, this is okay, I don't have to have it all planned out. Like, do you have, I don't even like to use the word strategy because that feels so same energy, but like, do you have ways that you cultivate your intuition? Maybe that's a better way to frame it. Um, I mean, right now, I don't know if it's necessarily a strategy, but it's like a new mindset that I'm embracing is that like, it's okay to be a beginner. I think that automatically takes you off of like the next step, next step, straight path to, you know, sidestep and start something new. It's like so scary, Um, but I'm totally a beginner in the garden. I have 
to like check in with people all the time. Um, I get in trouble for doing the wrong thing at work. It's just like a new mindset and it's so humbling and it it's so challenging in its own way. Um, Elena and I are both smiling and nodding <laughs> as you're saying that. Yeah, that's a good It's one. like, it's so hard. It's so hard and it's so new, but like that in itself makes me know that I'm doing the right thing. That's also so looked down upon in our society. It's like it's if you, so, you don't know anything about it, you're not supposed to touch it. Yeah. It's so non-capitalist. Yeah. Yeah, or if you know, if you know something, you're supposed to know everything. There's no like in between. Yeah, it's so important to get out of that expert syndrome almost of, which just leads mm -hmm. to inauthenticity. Like nobody really, you know, nobody, you know, I think I've told you this secret before. Grownups don't know what they're doing, usually. Like <laughs> we're all just making it up. And I'm saying grownups, you're grownups too, but you know. <laughs> older than you people <laughs> and yet we're trained to like we're supposed to pretend like we know what we're doing and you know not let any cracks show and that feels so inauthentic so that's I'm so glad that you brought up that beginner beginner's mind we could call it or just just being a beginner anything to add Elena I might have interrupted you I don't know no you didn't the thing, the only thing that came to mind when you were asking was, I think all three of us use writing as a way to figure out what we actually want or what we actually think. Yeah, and I definitely go through periods where I don't have a chance or I, I don't make time to write, even if it's for five minutes. I just don't, yeah, I'll go weeks sometimes without opening a journal or anything and it feels uh that's the time where I feel the most restless and irritable and all those not nice feelings <laughs> uh, so I'm trying to recognize that cue more of like if I feel uh fuzzy or confused or even just irritable it's probably because I haven't sat down and had my own time and space for a while. Okay. So Elena, what, I love what you were saying, uh, because that's something that I learned about myself later in life than you figured it out. That seems to be a trend. <laughs> I feel like you and Natalie are so far ahead of me in so many ways, um, where I was in my life at your age. But I, yeah, for me, it could be writing or it could be some kind of art making, but if I don't have creative time alone, I could probably last about three days before I'm going to be really cranky and just off. And I won't really know why because it's not like some, you know, it's not because of something that's happening out in the environment that's going to set me off. But yeah, th things go sideways when I don't have that time. And that is something that um, it almost never happens anymore because I, it's kind of the focus of everything I do now. So I, I made a lot of adjustments in my life to put that in the center. And I, I'm not always 100% balanced, but I am way more on balance than I have been at other times in my life because of that.
That's awesome. I think uh, that's something that I'm currently trying to figure out because, yeah, I've started this new job and so my days are much busier than they have been for the past year and a half. Uh, So, yeah, I'm trying. I'm currently, like, Oliver and I have been having conversations about it the past few days because I've felt pressed for time and I don't I don't feel like my body feels rested and I like my schedule and everything but I still have been yeah just slightly irritable like if if the dog's going crazy or like I have to take the dog out I have been getting really annoyed about that because (laughs) it'll often happen during the time that I want to sit down on the couch and write something or read a book Um, so I'm currently working on figuring out how to structure that time into my day I was just and Teresa I want to hear your angle on this in a second Um, yesterday I got together with Claudia you know my art partner yeah it was so great to see her and spend time with her and we we were talking about our earlier days when we were moms and busy and working all the time and you know like and how hard it is to find that time we were having the same conversation about how easy it is to get off balance I was talking with another mom mom friend of mine recently about this too and what Claudia was saying because she was she had been in a position of kind of advising a, a young mom in that same situation and she was trying to show her like just just find five minutes for Claudia I hope she doesn't mind me sharing this it was like making little teeny altars in Altoid boxes she went through a phase where she would just steal away five minutes here and there and make these little little creations very tiny and so she was suggesting to this friend you know just five minutes if you can find five minutes to just sort of work out that little energy and how she I'll check with her before I publish this to make sure she doesn't mind me sharing this story. But she said something like, it was like my my illicit love affair with creativity. Because she had to steal, you know, it felt like stealing it away from her work or her family. But it became this focus of like how to keep her inner self satisfied and on target. And it doesn't take giant amounts of time, which is what a lot of people think. But yeah, five minutes to steal away and some maybe kind of a regular type of practice is what she recommended. I, I had a hard time doing that. So I'm not saying it's easy. I think it's great advice. Teresa, do you have any similar kind of practice or, or need? Can you see the need for it when you don't get it? Um, I was thinking about this today in like the grand scheme of my whole life transitioning of maybe I want to move, maybe I want a new job. Will I be single forever? Um, just like looking in to like what things in my life right now are the most important and what I do want to carve out time for or make sure is happening in my life. Um, Right now I'm playing soccer three times a week and that's pretty much the grounding activity or the grounding time that I have for myself. And so I know that in like the next chapter of my life or whatever happens, like 
having a soccer team or a soccer league or drop in or just like keeping that mm-hmm. carving out the space is a bit bigger of a space I guess if a game takes like 45 minutes or an hour um but just like knowing that about myself and like keeping those grounding things to make the rest of my life work out around it yeah and it's such a different way than what we're trained in our culture to do you know you're we are supposed to focus on the job the career if you have a family at some point then that's supposed to be really secondary i would say everyone says it comes first but i would say we worship our careers more in this culture than our families (laughs) or you know we are told that that's a way to make a sacrifice um is by working to get that extra money to provide for your family and then but i love the approach of thinking like what are the things that i must have in my life to stay balanced and sane and then kind of working the job around that that sounds like such a healthy way to transition into anything i know i know yeah make sure you have the things that you know will help keep you sane first yeah and build everything around the things that are gonna keep you sane and for me when i moved to portland i actually kind of did that because i knew the thing that i needed was dancing because like the hip-hop class i was taking here in oakland i'm in oakland at the moment was just one of my favorite hours of the week that felt so restorative and just fun like i would have a smile on my face the entire class it was just like the best and so i i started researching that like where can i find something like that and then that ended up turning into flamenco which has been and i've talked about that before but it i think it's a good approach think about what you need in your life and that takes it takes time and solitude and sort of turning off the noise of all the shoulds that are all around us of what we're supposed to be prioritizing and focusing on and going after going after our dreams you know sometimes the dream is like i want a really quiet life and that is a valid dream. i played in a oh i just want to say i played in like a women's casual sunday tournament all day and there was a specific league that was 55 plus and there was just these like amazing women coming out to play soccer in their 50s and then i saw them and i was like that's that's got to be me that's all i know i think it will that's be. a goal that's a goal yeah I think, yeah, that's a good goal to hold on to. That seems like the uh, soul-soothing kind of goal instead of the soul-draining kind of goal. Yeah. Yeah. Elena, do you, well, this might not be your goal, but I remember a funny scene when you and I were going to an A's game and we passed on our way out a very elderly woman who had all the pins on her hat and the big flashy jacket and all the things and she was with someone who looked like her middle-aged daughter and I remember saying to you maybe that'll be us in (laughs) yeah that's a goal yeah I'm not collecting the pins or wearing the flashy jacket but yeah that's that was one funny well I I have the jacket I know you do have the jacket and Teresa's on top of collecting all of the swag for me I have two A's pins already oh nice nice yeah, that's a goal. At the Coliseum, preferably. Hopefully they'll still be there. Yeah. Or the new Coliseum. <laughs> In Oakland somewhere. Yeah. 
Yeah, small goals that are directed at joy. <laughs> that come from the heart. <laughs> Yeah. rather than money i think is the biggest thing lots of people's goals are centered around money in, in some way and that's i think that's where every everything goes wrong <laughs> yeah and it's hard to unhook from that because the message is the more money you make the more quote unquote successful you are and the higher you're valued in our society like we are supposed to think higher of you and it's hard to um is it hard for you to tell people like I'm a barista or I work at a grocery store or you know how do you feel about it or how does that go it is hard I also feel like it's hard for my parents to express to their friends that I'm a part-time barista it's like it's so deep in our culture and in our relationships um when people from my high school who work in tech come get coffee from me they like feel bad and I'm like I feel bad I'm having a great time <laughs> you feel bad for them I feel bad for them for feeling bad for me because I'm like it's cool <laughs> yeah I'm still early on so I'm still I'm still figuring out how it feels but so far I definitely have noticed that I feel the need to quantify it somehow or when you were uh, nannying, because that is kind of a similar yeah, thing. Yeah, nannying is similar. And my least favorite thing is when people call me a babysitter. Yeah. Because it's not the same. I'm not a teenager cooking mac and cheese and putting kids and watching a movie and putting kids to bed. It's very different. <laughs> and while you were nannying, your younger sister was working at a preschool. And I would tell you to because I believe that those are the most important jobs in the world like if we can raise healthy children when they're young just yeah. so many traumas and negative things would just fall away and yet it's not what the message that our society gets things are very upside down and I find myself feeling kind of judgy which I'm trying to work with just the judginess when I hear about friends, children who are working in high tech or, you know, in these high power jobs, I feel a little bit like, Ooh, you know, I hope their soul is gonna stay intact. And what I love about talking with you two is I feel like your soul is leading the way. And that's why you both said a minute ago, your heart and your soul and your intuition is how you're trying to find your next step. And I love it. You're very inspiring. Thanks. You too. That's the goal. <laughs> Those are, that's our goal is to let our souls lead the way. Yeah. And it's hard because it goes against all the conditioning. Well, maybe this is a good place to sort of wrap up. Is there anything else that either of you wanted to say or... I'm just going to scan my, I had some rough notes. They weren't super, you know, I didn't have like a, I didn't have a real clear outline or plan for this. I just wanted to talk about some things. Yeah. Well, the, actually the one thing that I did want to mention, cause you both are in transition or might be soon or just transition into a job, but also our whole society, like the entire world is in this period of transition. So even though some people listening might not be 
you know, they might need be on their path in a way where they don't feel like they're in transition, but our whole earth is in transition, our culture is in transition, and, you know, unless you have your head in the sand, like, things are changing, and so I think that can be the larger lesson, too, is we could use a little bit more focus on heart-centered and soul-centered decision-making and choices for all the different kinds of paths going forward. And I, I think us older, middle-aged and older people are gonna be taking cues from younger people. I just feel like there are a lot of young people who are bucking the system, I guess is one way to say it, and choosing, because you see the writing on the wall and you're making choices that are inspiring the older people around you. So thanks for doing that. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Did I offer for you to say any, if there were any other things? And then I started talking, I think. So let me say it again. Was there anything else that either of you wanted to say that you didn't get a chance to say yet? Tip your baristas. Tip your baristas. <laughs> they're, they're fighting the hard fight, rebelling against the system for sure. Yeah. Any last comments, Elena? I don't think so. Okay. Well, thank you both for being on the podcast and good luck. It, maybe it's some luck, but you know, good. Uh, let's see, what's a better way to say it? I wish you heart-filled, soulful experiences in your transition. And, Thanks. And thank you. And continued building in the the care that you need to stay connected and balanced as you go through your life. Thank you. Thank you for having us. This yeah. was really fun. Yeah, good. So thank you to our guests today, Teresa and Elena. And have a conversation with young people around you and see what is important to them. Ask them, because I'm not sure if they're being asked very often. And we will catch you next time on the podcast. Hey, it's Pam. I'm back with a few editor's notes. I'm back in Portland now. I recorded that a week ago in Oakland on October 16th. I want to let you know that I did ask Claudia for permission before sharing the story of her illicit creativity affairs. And I also wanted to say that Elena and Teresa and I had some text conversations around the idea of privilege. Uh, we understand that not everybody is in a position to make heart-centered, heart soul-centered choices about what job they have, perhaps based on a person's immigration status or the number of malice that they have to feed or any number of life circumstances. And we actually thought about re-recording this. Our schedules didn't allow it. But if we had, I thought that I might have chosen to, instead of centering jobs and work and careers so much that we did, um, maybe we could have modeled the centering of a different question. And I'm as guilty as anybody for asking my kids and my students when I was teaching kindergarten the age-old question of what do you want to be when you grow up? Maybe we could start changing that question to 
how do you want to be or what kind of person do you want to be and how do you want your life to look and how do you want to feel day to day I think if we started asking questions like that it might change our decisions around what we do all day of course we need societal changes like universal health care so people don't need to stay stuck in jobs they hate because of the benefits and we there's a lot we need to change on a big scale in our society but we could also start by if we really do value equality thinking about how we have biases ourselves in how we think of other people depending on what job they have how we feel about ourselves depending on what job we have and starting with those kind of questions of course this is a conversation that could go on and on and for now i wish you moments throughout your day of joy and the kind of things that that make your life meaningful and give you a sense of connection thank you for listening and i'll catch you next time on the accidental muralist podcast if you're not signed up for my email list so that you can get these podcast episodes delivered to your inbox be sure to go to allhandsart.com and there you can sign up for my newsletter thank you